Hi, everybody. Shane Chernoff of the Business on Top podcast. Last night, we asked on the show, would you like a nonstop show of just Shane? And the results have come back. The people have spoken. 17% yes, 83% no, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I've got about 35 minutes. We're going to do a full-length show of just me. This is going to be, I don't know about BOT 75.5. Maybe it'll be BOT 75.125. But here it comes, the Shane Chernoff Show featuring Shane Chernoff. The Business on Top Podcast. This is the Shane Chernoff Show. This is actually Business on Top featuring Shane Chernoff. Because I wanted to do this interesting experiment, and I want it to be for a good cause. So I'm going to go live on Instagram Live at some point during this 35-minute or so full-length show of just me trying to talk into the abyss because I enjoy the sound of my own voice. And I've got a lot to say that sometimes doesn't make it on the show because we've got a lot of ideas and everybody's got a lot of thoughts and... uh, I happen to have a lot of them too, so I'm going to go on and and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. And, you know, it really is a shame because I had a big, big show lined up. We had the best guest. We had Queen Elizabeth II, but, uh, you know, she couldn't make it on. What, too soon? Anyway, we are back just 24 hours removed from a great episode last night. I mean, the guys had a lot of fun. Uh, VJ and I had a, had a nice time and, and Ben, uh, was kind of drained. I think he had, uh, he had a long day just being overwhelmed by all the week one and in the NFL, but Ben led a very interesting discussion of, uh, who gets the credit in, in the NFL coaching versus, uh, players. And when we look at the scores across week one of the NFL, that was something that I wanted to start with, uh, and, and break down because week one in the NFL, you always have a lot of surprises. You always have a lot of storylines that are going on. And there are a lot of different dramas and uh, different aspects of what's going on around the league. And I wanted to go around the league and do our sort of what, what ESPN does with the fastest five minutes or whatever their own version of the highlight show is. And I wanted to go through every game that happened so far in week one. I know that the Seahawks are getting ready to play the Broncos right now. That's tonight at 8 o'clock. It is about 7.15 as we're recording this. So Russell Wilson about to face his former team. That's a pretty interesting, uh, dramatic storyline. And I really hope that they don't boo him because Russell Wilson was a great player in Seattle for a long time. He led them to a championship, which is something that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't no, – there's no one here to correct me. I don't think that Seattle had ever won a Super Bowl prior to that. I know they – in the – late 70s had the likes of Steve Largent. Am I am I too early on Steve Largent? Who knows? There's no one to fact check me. I'm just going to keep talking. And let's see how much energy I, I have left by the end of this thing. So let's start off with the first game of the season, Buffalo versus LA. Uh, you see the Bills come out on top in a road win against the Super Bowl champions. One of the things that you wonder is, is that a Super Bowl hangover for the Rams? And it very well could be. But it very well could be the sign of maybe Matt Stafford crashing back to earth. He does have some elbow issues that are going on right now. But I'll tell you, somebody who was not affected by that was Cooper Cup. He had thirty, he had 31 fantasy points, had a ton of catches. He did a really great job. And uh, in spite of that performance, 
the guy who did the best and somebody who's probably going to end up winning the MVP. And I know Ben's got him on his, his fantasy team, and I know a lot of you might as well. Somebody that's going to just be a legend in this league, I think. Josh Allen. And what more, what more can you say about somebody like that? He can pass, he can run. And he was sort of an interesting, oh, man, there's already, I'm already watching the pregame. There's somebody that's got a trader shirt pasted over his Russell Wilson jersey. That's sad when somebody doesn't respect uh, true legend for, for the franchise and Russell Wilson. I mean, you can make the argument that he's the most successful Washington uh, Seattle quarterback that's ever played. And he's won them their only Super Bowl. And I, I really hope that most of the Seattle fans don't feel the same way that that guy feels about Russell Wilson. But circling back to Josh Allen, I think he's the best quarterback. He might be the best individual player in the league right now. And he showed you why. Had such a strong second half after a little bit of jitters starting off that game in L.A. Had a few turnovers, but uh, ended up playing rather well. We moved to Orlando. Uh, Orlando. See, this is what happens when we go live and there's nobody to check me. New Orleans and Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons end up doing the Falcon thing. They lose at home to Jameis Winston and the Saints. And I'm optimistic about about Jameis Winston uh, this year. I think Jameis Winston's going to end up doing pretty well. I think Chris Olave is a nice rookie. You saw Michael Thomas score two touchdowns in in key moments of the game. And I'm, you're hoping that Michael Thomas, who when he's healthy is one of the most dynamic exciting players in the league hopefully he can bounce back and you know the saints could make some noise that's a pretty open division we'll get to tampa in just a second but uh carolina is pretty lousy and i want to go to them first carolina panthers with sharp teeth and claws if you've never seen that you have to look up dominate the foe by by ked woodley it's a very dumb viral youtube video cleveland over carolina on the road 26 24 that was the battle of the backups. That was Jacoby Brissett versus Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, in his revenge game, was not able to pull it off. Uh, Carolina let down. They're not going to be very... I don't think they're going to be very good this year. Christian McCaffrey only had... Uh, he did have a touchdown. I think he only had 10 rushes, maybe a couple of receptions. Uh, but overall, he did not do all that well. And you really have to be worried, I think, if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, that... That is going to be a recurring issue for them this year. Number one, you're going to be holding your breath about whether Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy. And one of the other things that you you got to be nervous about is the quarterback play. I mean, who do you have? It's between Sam Darnold and, and Baker Mayfield. And I know you're going the lesser of two evils there, but I don't know what you're going to do about that one long term if you're a Carolina Panthers fan. We go shifting over to a team that has been really bad for a long time, the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, they were the mo they were a very exciting show. Man Campbell, as people like to call him. You want to run through a wall for him, and as as well as the Lions played, and as well as much as they cared about Dan Campbell, they could not pull it off. Philadelphia got off to a big lead. They almost blew it in the fourth quarter. One of the things that I saw was DeAndre Swift, and I think that guy's going to be a very good quarterback in the or a very good running back in the NFL for a very long time. You know, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, who I like to call K-Andre Swift because I'm aging. 15 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. I think he had a 67-yard run, too. Was very, very sharp. Bailed out his quarterback a few times. You know, Jared Goff is somebody that has gone downhill very quickly. And 
Can you make the argument that Jared Goff at this point is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? I think so. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, very, very sharp. We saw the first game of A.J. Brown in an Eagles uniform. Speaking of somebody who was very sharp, 10 catches, 155 yards, did not get into the end zone. By the law of averages, he's going to change that. You're getting 10 catches a game for 150 yards. Uh, the Eagles might be in good shape. They found a, a nice little weapon there, and with the injury to Dak Prescott, which we'll get to when we talk about the Sunday night game, that's going to be a pretty wide open. Uh, that's going to be a pretty wide open division, I think. The the NFC East. Let's go back over East and in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Jets, one of the most miserable franchises in all the NFL's existence, lose to the Ravens, twenty four to nine. Lamar Jackson, definitely not himself, uh, had a few rushes, but you got to wonder if some of his contract negotiations are starting to get to his head. He rejected a multi-million dollar deal, and maybe he was in his own head a little bit, didn't want to run because he bet on himself. Either which way, I don't know. The weather wasn't great in New York either, so that's a factor. You got a very small sample size, but uh, maybe some concerns surrounding Lamar Jackson, but they were able to very handily beat the Jets. 24-9. 24-9. The battle of two very, very lousy teams, the Jaguars and the Washington newly minted Commanders. The Commanders, with Carson Wentz, scored 28 points. They beat the Jaguars 28-22. We got to see the first game of a healthy Travis Etienne, the Clemson product, finally got on the field after he hurt himself preseason, and you got to be hopeful that, that that young man finds his footing with his former and, I guess, current teammate, uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence, I'm not convinced yet. And I said, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times with quarterbacks. It's a situation where you know from probably year one whether a quarterback is going to be good or not. And I think the litmus test that I give that is, I call it the Justin Herbert test. Justin Herbert, his first year in the league, was making throws that I think we have not seen as a rookie since Dan Marino. And... You knew from probably that Monday night game that he played in. I, I don't remember. I think it was, I believe it was against the Saints his rookie year, and you knew right away that that guy was going to be a star in this league. He was he was excellent in the game that they played this week, and I want to talk a little bit more about Justin Herbert. The Chargers and Raiders. Chargers twenty four, Raiders nineteen. Is it going to be the same old thing for the Raiders? Are they going to be good until the last ten minutes of games, and then are they going to? Just disappoint you. Devontae Adams' first game in a Raiders uniform, very effective. He had multiple uh, double-digit receptions for triple-digit yards. Doesn't seem like it was enough. Week one, you always have that consideration of, oh, I didn't know that guy was playing there. I had that uh, realization with number one, Von Miller in Buffalo. And number two, Khalil Mack was a difference maker for the Chargers on the defensive side of the ball. They pull it off 24-19. to Giants and Titans, that one was a dramatic one that went down to the last play of the game. The reigning best statistical, uh, best record-wise team in the AFC falls to the miserable Giants. But somebody who came back and looked like they were in very good form. First game with Coach Brian Dayball, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley looked, looked really excellent. He had that explosiveness that you saw from him his first year in the league. And if the Giants are going to have any shot, they have a very soft schedule this year. If the Giants, my hometown New York Giants, are going to have any shot of making it to the playoffs, they're going to have to ride Saquon. They're going to have to ride him hard. Daniel Jones, we know that he's probably at this point a game manager. 
Probably not going to be the answer long term, but we'll see how big of a fit he is in this Brian Dayball offense. Bigger concern for the Titans, quarterback play. Uh, they've lost A.J. Brown, replacing him with Robert Woods. Robert Woods was invisible yesterday, and so if you're a Titans fan, you got to ask yourself, is this what the offense is going to look like this year? And I think if I'm if I'm Mike Vrabel, after about five or six weeks, i got to wonder whether I'm going to pull the trigger and replace Ryan Tannehill with Malik Willis, who had a very nice preseason. The most interesting game, perhaps, on the slate, very early on rivalry game, Vikings and Packers. Vikings 23, Packers 7. And all eyes were on Aaron Rodgers in this. He lost Devontae Adams. He ended up acquiring nobody in particular. And I saw a meme with uh, CM Punk, and that probably sums up how Aaron Rodgers was feeling. We talked about this a little bit on the show last night. Aaron Rodgers is probably generally frustrated that he has at least no weapons at this point. Found a wide-open receiver. I I still don't know who that guy is. I'm just going to call him crappy number nine for now. Crappy number nine drops a very long pass that would have been a sure touchdown, had nobody around him. And there's going to be some growing pains in Green Bay right now, and I wonder if this is going to lead to something odd in the house that Aaron Rodgers built. And are the Packers done? I boldly predicted last year that the Chiefs were done. That appeared to be right. They didn't even make it to the Super Bowl uh, last season. And I I wonder if now, I'm going to wait two or three more weeks to declare the Packers done. But it was very concerning from my perspective what I saw in that game in, in Minnesota. Not if you're a Vikings fan. Justin Jefferson was that guy again. Had a couple of touchdowns. Had probably about 150 total yards by the time that the first half was over. Speaking of back to normal things, the Chiefs offense was very good as they are early in the season. Long term, that may be different, though. But they romped to a victory over the Cardinals. There were a lot of questions about Kyler Murray coming into this week and coming into this year about his studying. There was all sorts of hullabaloo going on with Kyler Murray. He did not look very sharp. A couple of garbage time touchdowns. He was pulled out of the game late. Patrick Mahomes, week one extraordinaire. Five touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. And that offense loses Tyreek Hill, but they still got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, two touchdowns. The Chiefs rolling to a 44-21 victory. And we have your Sunday night game, Bucks and Cowboys. And this was where I wanted to stop because very interesting uh, set of facts going into that game. Cowboys always very much hyped. They had the clock mismanagement situation going into the 49ers playoff game last year ended up losing that one. Speaking of which, the 49ers beat the Bears in a very rainy, fun game. Watch the highlight of that one. Justin Fields slid around in the water, battled two young quarterbacks. We don't know what we're going to see from Trey Lance and uh, Justin Fields this year, but I'm optimistic about both of them. I think both of them are going to develop into uh, fine quarterbacks in this league. Steelers and Bengals. The almost Super Bowl champion Cincinnati Bengals fall to the Steelers in overtime. And then uh, there was one more game that I wanted to talk about that also went to overtime. We had our first tie in the league in week one. The Colts, surprisingly, who are the odds-on favorite to win the league, they have number one in everybody's fantasy draft, Jonathan Taylor, and they played against the Houston Texans yesterday. The only team, fun fact, who have never changed their logo in the history of the league. The Texans held their own. Davis Mills, I think he is going to be a top 15 quarterback in the league this year. 
That is my bold prediction. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. Whatever it is that you have to do with it. They took the Colts to overtime and a couple of missed field goals at the end there, and you have a tie between the Colts and the Texans. I saw something from the Bucks cowboys game, aside from Dak Prescott being injured and being out six to eight weeks. I, I saw something that I, we also touched upon when we talked about the show last night, and it was Tom Brady. It was a video. I think the NFL has it on their Instagram, and it's Tom Brady walking off the field after a win, and he's surrounded on both sides by people yelling his name, asking him to sign things, wanting to take pictures with him. And, you know, you ask yourself, if you assume, it's dangerous to assume, but if you assume that what's been reported is true and that, uh, you know, Giselle Boonchin is upset that Tom Brady decided to unretire, and we're, of course, we are recklessly speculating here, but if he wanted to come back, I mean, you look at a video like that and that's absolutely why. I mean, there's people that are adoring you you're the you're the gladiator you're the you're the main attraction everywhere you go people want to see you people want to take a picture with you people are just you know to just to touch your shoulder you know that it, it's that Beatles phenomenon of if, if you touch somebody I'm you know never gonna wash this hand again and for if you're Tom Brady like yeah football's a dangerous game we all know that I mean how many people did we see get get injured just yesterday we've got guys that are out for multiple weeks big big stars in the league and you know, how do you replace that experience if you're Tom Brady? And, you know, that's almost like the narcotic, that kind of drug that's, if I had to speculate, if you're Tom Brady, that's what's driving him back. It's that experience, that video of people yelling his name, coming after him, wanting to talk to him, wanting to see him, wanting to just watch him perform and, and be in the same building and occupy the same space as as this legend who's created his own mythology about him and you know if you're Tom Brady I guess I get it because there are a lot of people if you ask a lot of former NFL players not that I've asked personally but you listen to them in interviews and they say hey you can't you can't replicate that experience and it's it can be a tough adjustment sometimes life after football you know you don't know what it's going to be and for for Tom Brady I I would imagine that he's probably going to have a tough experience uh, transitioning in, in life after football. And it makes, you know, I get it. It makes sense. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some Major League Baseball rule changes. I got some playoff power rankings for you. Quickly, we're going to touch on Carlos Alcaraz, Carlitos winning the U.S. Open. And I got more stuff coming right up. Shane Chernoff Show featuring Shane Chernoff. BOT, episode 17, episode 75.25, coming up. You know, in my regretful haste, I declined to mention the one local game that was going on. The Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Patriots at home. There's a distinct advantage playing in South Florida. Uh, if you're okay with having your car set on fire by some idiot leaving their grill underneath a car that in the process ended up burning 11 separate cars in the uh, whatever sponsor it's called. Uh, I, I don't even know anymore. Parking lot. But... What is Tua? We still don't know. Not exactly a dominant performance. He made a nice little ballsy throw on fourth down to Jalen Waddell, and I'll be interested to see what the Dolphins turn into this year, but in the category of things that I love but don't really know what they mean, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel said 
That is going to be the worst game that we play all season if things are going according to plan. I think that's the attitude that you need to have. Another news, my mood has shifted. I'm not happy anymore because the Mets are now losing to the Cubs early in the game, and uh, that's a, probably a pretty good transition, just as good of one as any, because I want to talk about a team that just refuses to lose, the Atlanta Braves, and I cannot believe how well the Braves have been playing since June of this year. I, I think there's something like 40 games above 500, and even the game that they lost, one of the games that they lost over the weekend, they ended up tying it before Seattle had to come back in the ninth. And you're talking about one of the better teams in the AL in, in that victory. Uh, there's a lot that's going on in baseball, and it's not just the, the playoff race heating up, it's the Major League Baseball rule changes. And. Baseball, we've done it a million times on this show. Ben, VJ, and I have all tried to fix baseball. And it's a very sports radio crutch when you're just struggling to talk about something else. But MLB implemented the rule changes this year. There's going to be a pitch clock starting next year. They finally did something that I was very happy with. They banned the shift. Because if you think about it, God, baseball was so great in the 80s and 90s when you had guys that would... Get a hit up the middle. If you just hit a line drive up the middle, there's going to be a base hit every time. And with the shift and being aware, Moneyball, as great of a book as it was and as great of a movie as it was, it kind of hurt baseball in that a lot of the things that you enjoyed seeing, like the athleticism of the game, like guys that were just kind of speed demons would put the ball on the ground, run it out, or have a seeing eye single and then steal a base. That all kind of got taken away from the game, and and we've seen like a seismic shift over the past 20 years to more home runs, more strikeouts, but unfortunately, a little bit less fun. And so hopefully, some of these rule changes are going to, number one, speed up the game, and number two, uh, generate a little bit more offense. I read something in, in Baseball America that said they have shown that the band shift at the minor league level has not led to any appreciable change and I, I while I probably question the metrics that they found that on I, I honestly think that's bullshit most likely you are going to see baseball that you know if you grew up in the 90s or if you if you grew up watching pitchers pitch to contact in in the 80s um, you're going to see a product that's hopefully, pretty similar to that or even you know in the early 2000s i mean you can make the argument that baseball today is not even similar to what we've seen in like 2005 or 2006 but another thing they did to speed the game up is they added a pitch clock and it cut down as much downtime as possible and you can tell in the videos that they've showed in a given at bat that you can probably cut down a five pitch at bat by by about a minute Pitchers can still step off the rubber, uh, but the clock's going to be 30 seconds between hitters, and the catcher must be in his box. That's what she said, by the way. We'll we'll find out. We'll put it to a poll. Am I going to get canceled by the time that this show is over? Catcher must be in his box and ready with nine seconds left on the timer, while the hitter has to have both feet in the batter's box and be alert to the pitcher within eight seconds of the clock starting. Shifting rules, very exciting. Larger bases, I think that's for player safety. And so the reason is, I guess, play, people's feet are much bigger now than, than they were when the bases were designed, which is funny, but also that kind of reminds me of the old Family Guy cutaway where, like, Jesus is five five and he's telling everybody, 
Yeah, very, very funny, guys. Like, you need to understand that uh, the human race has only gotten bigger over the course of 2,000 years. But bases are going to get bigger. Jose Altuve is probably going to be able to stand on one and, like, get lost on it. Um, but interestingly, according to Major League Baseball, the increased base size in the minors has coincided with a decrease in base-related injuries by 13.5%. That was relayed to MLB. That was CBS Sports. And I'm interested to see. And look, player safety is the most important thing. Take it from me, a Mets fan, who saw uh, the double play rule get changed because Chase Utley is a is a dirty SOB who ended up taking out Ruben Tejada, who I wish well, and he'll he'll always have a special place in my heart because his uh, 2015 was was very impactful for us and made it to the, so that the Mets could make it to the World Series that year. So, playoff power rankings going into the playoffs. I've thought about this for probably all of five minutes, and there were a lot of really good teams in the league this year, and it's usually it's concentrated to either one league, the American League or the National League, but I think this year it's, uh, it's kind of even. I think the AL has just as good of a shot as the NL to end up winning a World Series, and this is a wide-open playoff system, ladies and gentlemen, and right now the, the Yankees are struggling recently but they're six and four in their last 10 i think we're gonna start to see a resurgence by the bronx bombers they're certainly going to be in the conversation but let's start off with number five my number five of the best teams going into the playoffs the st louis cardinals and the cardinals have that uncanny ability you never know what they're going to do in the playoffs because they're unpredictable and they've got great winning tradition and just when you think the uh chips are down they find a way to surprise you and, and pull wins out of you-know-where and and make something happen. So for that reason, Cardinals, number five team to watch going into the playoffs are my number five team. Number four, just talked about them, the Yankees. The Yankees are not as formidable as they were beginning in, in the season. They had a historical pitching staff. Some injuries have caught up to them. But, man, Aaron Judge is having a, having a hell of a season. He's going to be probably the first in a while to get to 60 home runs. I mean, it's a historic season for Aaron Judge. I was fortunate enough to watch him hit this year in person at Fenway Park. And uh, that's a good team, loaded from top to bottom. The Andrew Benintendi injury sucks for them, but you know the Yankees are deep enough that they're they're going to find a way, and they've got the winning tradition as well. They're, they've got a good manager in Aaron Boone, and I think the Yankees are at least going to make it to the CS. Number three, got the Houston Astros. The Astros, say what you will about them, they just continue to find ways to win and make the playoffs, even in spite of the, the cheating scandal. They were cheaters. I think that was probably more than proven in the investigation from the 2017 World Series, but that's a team that is still pretty good. You've got Alex Bregman. Um, Jordan Alvarez is one of the best young players that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. I think he's going to be a star in this league, and... Keep an eye out for the for the Astros. I would think they, if the Yankees get to the ALCS, they'll probably they are probably going to face the Astros uh, when they get there. Number two right now, I've got the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are, I would say, the hottest team in baseball. And speaking of teams that find a way, they lose arguably their best offensive player in Freddie Freeman. He goes to the Dodgers. The Braves don't skip a beat. They got off to a little bit of a slow start, and right now, since probably mid-June, 
They want had a 14-game winning streak. They've had an eight-game winning streak. Uh, you are never going to soundly beat them in a game. They've got a very good home field advantage, solid new ballpark, good fan support. They're the defending champions, and as Ric Flair says, to be the man, you got to beat the man. The Atlanta Braves, my number two team. Number one, Los Angeles Dodgers. They're 96-43. and 43. Their team is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. They've got Cody Bellinger. They've got all sorts of talent. Their pitching staff is, is one of the best that I've seen. They've got a good bullpen. They don't blow leads. They're very well managed. Uh, you know, Dave, Dave Winfield's an incredible manager, and I think for that reason, I'm just going to stick with the record. That's that's why the Dodgers are going to end up winning the World Series because they've just got such a deep team, great rotation, and uh, look, the record says it all. Dodgers going to have the advantage being out west, and uh, I think I think they're going to win it all. You'll notice that uh, the New York Mets are not in the top five, and that's because, if you remember, the Mets don't exactly have a great track record in September. In 2007, they were ahead by seven games with 17 to play. They did not make the playoffs. They were ahead, I think, three games with 10 to play in 2018. They did not make, or in 20, uh, 2008, they did not make the playoffs then. They lost Max Scherzer to an injury. The offense has been struggling as of late. Buck Showalter, great manager. If anything, he's going to be able to turn them around, but I haven't seen it from them yet. So that is my top five in descending order. Cardinals, Yankees, Astros, Braves, Dodgers. Before we cut to break and we have our last segment of the day, I wanted to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open. I ended up losing my shirt betting on Carlos Alcaraz to win in straight sets. And while he did not win in straight sets, he won in four. And that's I, I, that's that's a very good young athlete. If you've seen him play, the guy covers all the court possible. He brings back an interesting style that you don't see. Most players just stay baseline to baseline these days. But it's very interesting what Carlos Alcaraz does. He's incorporated a serve and volley into his offense and most of the time, you don't see that until players age. And the guy's only 19 years old. He's the Miami Open champion. He's the U.S. Open champion. By the way, fun fact, winner of the U.S. Open pockets $2.6 million. Second place winner of the U.S. Open pockets one point three. So not a contact sport. If you have kids, get them to play tennis because that's a pretty decent purse for, I wouldn't say not a lot of work, but that's that's uh, very impressive for something that, you know, you might, you're not really going to risk too severe of bodily injury for but Carlos Alcaraz I've been saying it all year if you've watched BOT's coverage of the Miami Open I was very excited to see him he was one of the most young exciting players uh in that stretch that two-week stretch of that tournament and I think he's going to continue to do the same and that's the annoying thing in tennis just when you think you've got got rid of the big four and Francis TFO by the way deserves a, a shout out he was Incredible, the best male American player in the U.S. Open and was a set away from taking Alcaraz out before Alcaraz was able to beat him and go to the final. And man, that kid's got an interesting story. Look it up, guy from Sierra Leone. Uh, his parents were from Sierra, Sierra Leone. His dad was a janitor at the tennis center in, in the D.C. area. He ended up getting a scholarship and ended up becoming a tennis pro, and the rest is history. Biggest win of his career, beating Rafa Nadal last Sunday. So, sky's the limit for that young man. I, 
I wish him all the best. And a former Delray Open champion. So hope to see him back in, in Delray Beach maybe next year as the as the tournament gets going again. I'm very excited to see the Delray Open. That'll be here in February, Delray Beach, Florida. But Carlos Alcaraz is somebody that you are going to see for a very long time if you're a tennis fan. He's not going away anytime soon. He's not a flash in the pan. This guy is as legit as I've seen. He covers all the court. He's got serve and volley. He's a good defensive player. He's got all the speed in the world. He doesn't get hurt. He's got endurance. He's proven that he can win in five setters. And, I mean, there's going to be a power vacuum now that Federer is probably on his way out. Djokovic is aging. He's still he's still arguably the best player in tennis, but he's getting older. And at an age of 19, Alcaraz is, is only improving, which is scary to think. And you see Nadal has been slowed a little bit by injuries. He's, he's lost a little bit of a step. And even having lost a step, he's one of the best players in the league. But Alcaraz is, I think, going to put a chokehold on that power vacuum, and, and you're going to see him for, for a very long time if you're a fan of tennis. Coming up next, two minutes of Pokemon. We're going to talk about current events. I'll give my takes on She-Hulk. And we're going to leave you with a little opinion that I have. Welcome back to the Shane Chernoff Show, BOT episode 17.25. I don't know why I keep say, saying 17. For some reason, I I mean 75. We're three quarters of the way to 100. That's such a huge accomplishment. You would think that that is something that I would probably commit to memory. But episode 17.25. I, I did it again. Episode 75.25, not quite episode 76. We're in between episode 75 and episode 76. I am doing a one-man show. I am I am 34 minutes in right now. And so if I'm going to annoy all you guys, I want to at least do it for charity. So if anybody has a good and meaningful charity that uh, they, they care about and they want to get involved in, I want to be able to donate to that cause. I want this to at least be... The annoying episode that nobody wanted that at least benefited some kind of charity or, or good cause. So let me know. I'm on Instagram live right now. That's why I'm distracted. Men are not very good multitaskers in case anybody was not aware of that previously. But if you have a good charity, let me know. Drop it down in the comments. I'm going to post this video real quick. And then I'm going to get to some of the material that I have left. We're 35 minutes in and we're going strong. The Shane Chernoff Show, a.k.a. Business on Top. Episode 75.25. I finally got it right that time, and no one's watching. But that's okay. That's okay. I've got a lot more material coming up. Um, God, you know, if the YouTubers can talk for, for hours on end, just themselves, doing some menial tasks, I think I can do it too. I feel like I'm doing an okay job, right? You know, I'm filling space. I'm making it interactive. I'm, I'm being very personal about it. Being very personable. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I forgot, are doing Monday Night Football. That's a very interesting uh, combo. So I'll, I'll turn over to that. And with that, I'm going to post this on the page. Why am No, it wants me to message it. No, I just want to be done with it. I have no requests. How do I finish it? Oh. Send. Can I message it? No, I have no idea what's going on here. Oh, you just turn off the live. I forgot about that. And we are back. 
So, first order of business. Jeff Bezos' penis rocket exploded, but not in, in the good way. They had a launch failure. But that's okay, Jeff. Happens to one out of every five men. Luckily, there's Nugenics for that. I wish Nugenics was a sponsor because that would have been the perfect uh, transition. But if anyone's ever seen that SNL Nugenics sketch, you, you got to go see that with uh, the legendary Willem Dafoe, one of my top five underrated actors of all time. But before I wanted to talk about some current events and things that we probably might not talk about during the show because they're either a little bit too heavy or just a little bit different than the usual show stuff, I did want to give my two minutes of Pokemon talk. I've always wanted to be a Pokemon YouTuber secretly. I think that would be a lot of fun. If you know me well, you know that uh, I don't even know if it was like a dirty secret. It's not dirty and it's not a secret, but I love to play Pokemon. That's one of my favorite things to do my alone time and i never never quite grew out of it been playing it since 1996 and we're still going strong i've got the uh new game scarlet and violet pre-ordered and they're going to get delivered in in november so november's gonna be a big month for me november's gonna be pokemon we're gonna have the world cup it imagine the earth has been around for four billion years i want to say that's right the earth's been around for four billion years and you are alive in the era that we not only get pokemon and the world cup but also, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman doing Monday Night Football. That's pretty fascinating. A very uh, very interesting transition. The ubiquitous Fox duo is now on ESPN. and it's ESPN obviously feels that it's worth it because they're, they're paying them a very pretty penny to be the voices of Monday Night Football. So we'll see how this maiden voyage goes. Monday Night kickoff. Russell Wilson going against this former team. So plenty to talk about on this Monday night. But two minutes of Pokemon. Go. Okay, so this looks like the uh, area is going to be like a Spain uh, kind of world. I forgot already what the new world is, is going to be called, but there are three different starters. As always, you have water, grass, and fire, and the fire Pokemon is a fire crocodile known as Fuecoco. I think that one's going to be pretty cool. There's uh, Quaxley. People have compared him to Donald Duck. That's the water Pokemon. It's got a little hat on. And there's uh, Sprigadito, which is the people have been affectionately referring to him as the weed cat because in the Pokedex entry, it says if you rub him, he gives off a uh, very distinctive scent. So Sprigadito is actually going to be my starter. I think the grass starters in the past couple of generations have been really good. Grookey was a really fun starter from uh, the last the last uh, set in in sword and shield and before that you had sun and moon and that was rowlet who's one of my favorite pokemon of all time he's just a little ball he's an owl if you look it up rowlet r-o-w-l-e-t i think there are there's going to be an interesting little gimmick in terms of typing you can change the typing of moves it has something to do with um that particular continent there's a cave there's a cave woman professor who's gotten uh, a lot of memes portrayed about her on on the internet there's a futuristic professor in the violet version the legendaries are dragons who are also bikes this probably sounds like an acid trip for somebody who hasn't watched any of the promo videos but i'm very excited for this generation of pokemon uh maybe if i do ever do this again we can get my top five favorite pokemon of all time although i'll i will tell anybody who will listen my top five favorite pokemon of all time Hopefully we get some fun electric dogs. There's an electric dog in every generation, but I've got five seconds left, so I can't wait for Scarlet and Violet. That's going to be November of 2022, and that's my two minutes of Pokemon.
And that's my alarm telling me that I've run out of time. Gonna keep it tight. Uh, man, current events. Let's let's just talk about this one thing real quick. And it probably would have helped if I pulled it up. Um, but in case you weren't aware, over the weekend, Ukraine has made some advances against Russia. Uh, and they have made some progress in the Northeast. They're kind of battling back against Russia right now. And I think that's probably encouraging for for the rest of the world, one would think. Uh, Ukraine is doing very well. They're obviously outmanned and, and outgunned, but uh, they've put up a very valiant fight right now. And I, I, I think the reason that I want to talk about this is because uh, U.S. General Ben Hodges said that it seems to me that we are beginning to see the end of the Russian Federation as it looks today. We need to be prepared for the end of Russia. And that's like one thing to say, and it's a fun little soundbite, but if you think about it, how the hell do we prepare for the end of Russia? I mean, what do you want us to do? Like, what does, uh, what does average Joe need to do at home to prepare for the end of Russia? I mean, are we, are we uh, stacking or uh, preserving our nesting dolls? Do we need to stock up on, on Russian dressing? What do we do to prepare for the end of Russia? I don't think anybody knows, but it's also like a scary thought. Because Russia's been around for a very long time. And so if, if that's the case, I mean, what, what the heck are you going to do? Uh, also, a lot going on in the, in, in the world and, and in New York. Um, I'm kind of going on the fly. I don't know. Maybe we'll get my thoughts on the 2020 election. But maybe we'll save that for, for next episode. Um, we have a new king that was crowned in, uh, in England led to the cancellation of a, of a few soccer games, but King Charles III addressed Parliament today. They flew to Scotland for a uh, for the ceremony for uh, Queen Elizabeth II. May she uh, rest in peace. Seven decades of rule for Queen Elizabeth, and known for longevity and known for, for grace and for, uh, you know, presiding over England over a very long period of time, a global pandemic, um, you know, the 50s, the advent of internet. Uh, I mean, a lot's changed in, in 70 years. Took over the throne at 26 years of age. Queen Elizabeth II um, is no longer with us. Now we have King Charles III. And we shift our attention over to something a little bit more lighthearted, but I did want to talk about it before... We ended up leaving, but this Chris Pine and Harry Styles thing, I don't know what everybody else's opinion is, and I've only seen the video once or twice, but if Harry Styles really did spit at Chris Pine, I mean, the reaction would certainly seem that way, right? If you if you haven't heard about this, uh, they did a movie together, and Harry Styles, I guess, did not get along with Chris Pine. They did some media availability, and Chris Pine sits down, and Harry Styles is about to sit down, and then there's a pause, and Chris Pine looks at, looks down at his leg. Who, by the way, Chris Pine with with the hair. I think he needs to. I think he needs to cut his hair real quick. Very good looking guy with short hair. I don't. I don't know what he's doing with the long hair. He's got to got to transition out of that. But Carrie Styles spits on Chris Pine, and that that looked like a very discreet spit. If it was, I mean, the reaction would certainly seem to suggest that he did spit on him, but. I'd be interested to get get a look at that at that backstory, but uh, 
at least that's something that's been a nice little pipeline of memes over the over the past couple of of weeks but if you have any thoughts on the chris pine and harry styles spitting incident let us know slide into our dms at business on top pod we're gonna talk about that next week we'll probably talk about the rule changes a little bit next week also and of course we'll have a lot of nfl for you um i had a really really nice weekend and there was one band that i wanted to shout out while i was here it's this band called live from 05 they're a local band in delray and they play a lot of like the punk rock and and emo rock hits of of the early and and late 2000s um there was a lot of jimmy Eat world um they play coheed and god their lead singer is is incredible and she just belts it out perfectly almost every time and they've got crazy stamina they played a set from 8 until 11 30 and People were just as pumped, and that band had just as much juice at 11.30 as they did at 8 o'clock. So, shout out to Live From 05, a really good band. Uh, If you wanted to go see some live entertainment here in Palm Beach County, I think they're doing some stuff in Broward, too. uh, Maybe as soon as this weekend, but their Instagram account, if you are curious, is... It might be at at Live From 05. I probably should have prepped better. Yes, it is at... Live from 05, we're going to tag them once I end up posting this um, at the very end. We'll have to, I'm going to mark it right now. 45 minutes we talk about Live from 05. If you want to learn about Live from 05, maybe we'll have Live from 05 on the pod. I would like to do that business on top. Uh, they'll join us and we can we can find out whether uh, they have the same preferences as us. Do they like Taco Bell as much as we do? I'd be interested to see. Uh, but live from 05, Matthews Brewing Company in Lake Worth. They did a great job hosting. Food's really good. They had a food truck out there. That's a nice, fun little spot if you're cruising around Palm Beach County with your windows down and you're you're looking for a place to get a to get a cold one. Want to wrap up the show by talking about? And I can't believe I did it. We're 45 minutes in, and I I have more on this sheet, but I know you guys don't probably don't want to hear any more from me than. You already have, but I, I do want to talk about She-Hulk because I I watched three episodes and unfortunately I think I'm out. It's like the very unfortunate Mark uh, Cuban and for that reason I'm out. But it's not the reason that you might think. Now, we've all seen the memes, we've all seen the criticisms, and I think there's a lot of misogynists out there on the internet who will just instinctively object to anything female and, and and that's not that's not the issue that I have with this show. I I like Tatiana Maslany. She's a very great actress. If you've ever seen the show Orphan Black, she's fantastic in it. Um, you know, Wong got a lot of cameos. Mark Ruffalo has a supporting role in this show. It just seemed a little bit too sitcommy for me as I watched it, and I was hoping that it would be more along the lines of what like one of the ne- like the old Netflix shows were. And I know it's a Disney Plus show, so it's like slightly different. But I, I don't even think that when you look at some of the good Disney Plus shows, like the Star Wars shows, they weren't like it, it was. They were not as sitcommy. In other words. They were intense, and they felt like, you know, little parts of, like, a mini-movie that you would watch 50 minutes at a time. And this feels more like a show. I mean, for God's sakes, the second episode was only 20 minutes, and it was a—and you would think on paper it's a great idea for a show, right? 
badass female superhero is also a lawyer, so you get the best of both worlds. You get like some combination of you want Jessica Jones combined with suits, right? You want this very fun dynamic show and in the end you don't quite get that i think my maybe this is i'm a victim of my own expectations and so that's what i thought it was going to be and i don't generally watch legal shows but because there was a superhero angle to it i wanted i wanted to watch this and i think you know i wonder if they do something different with daredevil based on some of the criticism that they get but you know the sticking point for me was episode three and it wasn't because of the fact that Megan the Stallion was in it and they're twerking together, look, I get it. It's probably it, it, it's a little bit cheesy, but that is not that is not what turned me off about about the show. My issue wasn't necessarily about Megan the Stallion being in it. She could have had a cameo. My problem is you have a show that you don't need to have carried by cameos. She Hulk is a character who has existed for a very very long time. She doesn't need to be carried by cameos. Let let the drama of her being a lawyer and a a superhero be the guiding light of that show. Don't be like here's Wong and here is Megan the Stallion twerking in her office. It, it it to me it seemed very much like a Gen Z show, right? I felt like I was watching an episode of something on, on Nick or the Disney Channel when at the very end the end credit scene. They're dancing to the Megan the Stallion song, and maybe this is just me not being hip. But she says, "You know, I would die for you, Megan the Stallion." And I just kind of, I kind of rolled my eyes. And it, it, it's not because of her. Period. It's because this show had so much potential, and ultimately, I was a little bit disappointed. I may circle back to it, but I'm going to have to probably. Uh, cleanse myself of, of that third episode and maybe that's the turning point maybe episode four is when things get really intense and and interesting but i can tell you if you haven't watched she hulk attorney at law i went into it with very high hopes and by by the end of episode three I, my, those hopes were kind of deflated um it's got a lot of potential it, it could get salvaged but as, as of right now i'm not completely sold on it but daredevil is a lawyer too and and I wonder if if you see them take a different a different tack based on on that. Uh, last thing that I wanted to talk about before we get out of here, and I've carried almost an entire hour. I'm at 50 minutes and counting, which is crazy to think. I it, and God, if if I wasn't sure about whether or not I like the sound of my own voice, I guess we know now. But you know, here, here's the thing. Um, I have a close family member my sister got back from uh from spain last week and you know she had a nice time and 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 she said you know culturally it's very different there's there's of course something to be said about traveling the world but if you haven't traveled the united states i can tell you i'm like the johnny cash song i've been everywhere man i'm i'm gonna be heading out of town this weekend and there's a whole lot to explore and America is the, you know, it is a melting pot. You will not see a society and and cities and landscapes like America. You've got food from all different nationalities, food from all different backgrounds and cultures. Um, the national park system. You have, uh, you know, weather, climate systems from from literally sea to shining sea. If you haven't seen the Pacific Northwest, get out there and see that. It's beautiful. If you're into beaches, come see Florida. Come see uh, the California beaches. 
There are so much to explore in the United States that I think people who are American discount just just to say that they've went on a European vacation or or they went on some kind of vacation outside the states. And and God, guys, you know, say what you will about America, but America in terms of tourism really does have a lot to offer. Um, you know, one of my favorite places I've I've ever been to. I never would have thought about it. Pittsburgh. Cleveland, a really good city, a nice Midwest city full of nice people. Uh, if you can get there at a time the weather's really nice, absolutely go for it. Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, fantastic town if you don't mind the cold. Very, very nice people. you got the Mall of America. You can do the world's largest indoor zip line. All I'm saying is give, give the United States a shot. You, know, you don't necessarily have to travel to, travel to Japan. Do it. Travel to, travel to wherever. Do it. Travel to south america I, I i don't care but toronto's my favorite city of the world in the world that's a three-hour flight away but check out some destinations in america that you that you may not think about um austin really cool place i really 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 love austin uh nashville i've heard good things about las vegas Asheville, north carolina was a great time go visit Asheville. um so there's a lot of great destinations that are out there. And, and so, you know, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, get out there and explore the United States of America. Because we have things that are, are unique that you will never find um, anywhere else. And so that was it. BOT episode 75.25. That's our show. I am going to scour the comments once I post this. And let me know, what is your favorite charity? Because I do not want to have done this in vain. If you've listened for the whole 53 and, and a half minutes right now, I want to make this worth your while. If there is a charity, BOT is going to donate. I will donate $100 of my own money to the charity of your choice that is the uh, most voted on over the course of the next week. So that is it. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to rest my voice. I'm going to make a nice hot tea. But... This was the Shane Chernoff Show featuring Shane Chernoff. None of you asked for it. None of you wanted it, but you got it anyway. Have a good night, folks, and enjoy Monday Night Football.